everyone. I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway. Podway! So in our podcast, we always talk about things about musical theaters and hopefully play someday. But <laughs> in today's episode, we're going to talk about a big one and it's Wicked. Okay, I'm so excited for this one, Claire. You have no idea. Me too. But- I guess I'll give a brief synopsis before going to everything. Wicked is essentially a retelling of The Wizard of Oz from the Wicked Witch of the West perspective. So that's short and sweet, and that's because there'll be a large summary section later on. And before we go into our perspectives or our familiarity with the musicals, I just have a few short announcements. So one of the dear podcasts that I want to introduce is Booze and Broadway. Woohoo! So Booze and Broadway is a weekly Broadway podcast that has host Nathan Brown and an incredible guest dive into the creation, notable cast members, and the plot of some of the most beloved Broadway shows. Booze and Broadway has covered Hamilton, Into the Woods, Come From Way, Moulin Rouge, and over 50 more amazing Broadway shows. If you enjoy Drunk History, then you're going to love Booze and Broadway. Stream Booze and Broadway wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the link in our show notes to subscribe to Booze and Broadway. Thank you very much, and please follow them. Also follow their Instagram if you can, because I personally am absolutely in love with their Instagram, and everything about it is just perfection. So please give them a listen and subscribe. All right. And now, why won't we dive into how we each learn about Wicked? This is a really fun one. <laughs> so Wicked is the first show that I've seen on Broadway in New York. And honestly, it's probably the only show I've ever seen in New York. And <laughs> the reason why we decided to see Wicked was, so me and my boyfriend was traveling to New York, like back in university, and we had no idea what other musicals to choose, because I'm the only one who's passionate about musicals. And honestly, at that time, my knowledge of musicals is super limited to like Phantom of the Opera, where like, you know, the big ones. So we decided to take a look on what's available. And Wicked is something that everybody on the internet seems to love so much. And we were like, okay, I never really heard about this. Like, is it really worth it? And that's remember the tickets are hella expensive. Mm-hmm. And we went during Christmas time. So the tickets are really expensive so we want to make sure that we got this right right so we asked uh, my boyfriend's sister who happened to watch the show before and she absolutely recommended it she was like it was so good you're going to love it so we're like okay let's spend a hundred dollars on this thing and hopefully he's gonna satisfy (laughs) (laughs) frankly speaking i didn't really know the wizard of oz fairy tale story before i kind of have a vague idea what's it about but I didn't like it's not something that I'm very very familiar with in terms of plot Mm -hmm. so I was completely blind like I guess I was for many other musicals I came into this completely blind I had no idea what to expect like from the poster there it didn't really see you can't really tell anything you see like a witch and there's black and there's green and that's pretty much it so yeah we were like okay let's try this thing out and it was so fun it was so much fun the music was so great the plot was so I guess engaging like even for somebody like me who didn't really have a good idea of what's going on like I could follow (laughs) I could understand what's going on so that was really really good so we had a really good experience watching this in Broadway so yeah I always have like a special 
place for it because it was just a very wonderful night and super amazing experience. But how about you? Oh, out of curiosity, did you have any experience with it after watching it? So like, do you continue to listen to the cast recording or did you have any like special connection afterwards or is it just like a one-time thing? Oh, no, no. I definitely listened to the cast recording. I rewatched it several times. Oh, I even tried to recommend it to my other siblings who have, let's just say, minimum interest in musical. And they said that it was really good too. So you can probably tell like how much I enjoy it. Yeah. So yeah, even right now. So the one that we went to watch feature Rachel Tucker. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've seen her before, but her version of Alphabet was amazing. And I always, always, always go back to her version of No Good Deed. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like after listening to her version of it, like all the other ones just won't do it. You know? <laughs> so including the Idina Menzel one? The original one? Yeah. Because she had this really high note in that uh, No Good E song, like mm-hmm. when she hit a Fiero and she hit this like extra high note. And I love that. And I feel like once I listen to something like that, I just can't go back. But <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. Um, for me, I was very, very familiar with The Wizard of Oz before. Uh, it's something that is very routinely shown as like plays or like musicals while I was growing up. And uh, I was taken to see it in person and I was like given the VHS and DVDs of it uh, on top of like reading the book and stuff like that. So I was very, very familiar with the um, story of The Wizard of Oz. I don't know if you might have seen it, but there was also a popular anime <laughs> of the uh, Wizard of Oz that really, yeah, that I grew up with. It was like one of the older looking anime, so less like Sailor Moon, but more like I guess other fairy tale anime, so like Pinocchio or Marco or something like that. So uh, I had a good familiarity with that. I also heard a lot about Wicked from other people who liked Broadway, but I actually never really listened to the entire thing myself. So obviously I've listened to Popular and Define Gravity, obviously. And also I was familiar with them from Glee, as well as the cast, because both Idina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth, (laughs) who played uh, the original Alphaba and Glinda are on Glee. So uh, I have, I had like familiarity circling around the IP from like tons of different perspectives Uh, but I actually didn't listen to the full cast recording or at least not repeatedly like I do until I went to watch it myself so um, my brother and I took a trip to London in 2019 and we this was one of the things we watched. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I told this story on a podcast before, but I'm not sure it actually made it to the episode. But if it did, I will just tell it again and you guys will have to suffer through it. But <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure Claire already knows that because I've said it so many times because it's such a point of embarrassment for me. But when I went to New York, there are booster seats, <laughs> essentially. And uh, the booster seats were always used for the people on the first row because you couldn't see the stage otherwise very well. So having that kind of knowledge in the back of my mind, I went and got myself a booster seat. And for the first act of the show, I was sitting on a booster seat, even though I absolutely did not need it. And I was the only one using it. And I looked like such an asshole. <laughs> I could hear people <laughs> speaking from behind me about it. And I felt so, so, so embarrassed. And I think it's part of the embarrassment of why I didn't just like take it out from under me um, halfway through the show. Like, oh, I mustn't 
ruin the concentration of the people. I don't want to draw more attention to myself, even though I'm pretty sure I was already drawing so much attention to myself. So every time I think of Wicked, I also think about this embarrassment that I experienced. <laughs> and it's one of the worst thing. Oh, my God. But I really, really enjoyed the show itself. Like, it was an amazing moment. We went to see three shows um, in London. And my brother, who's not a musical person, said this one was the best. And for good reason, it was actually the best of the ones we've seen. Uh, I listened to the cast recording repeatedly, pretty much on loop afterwards. But speaking of embarrassing things, so did you ever do trick-or-treating, Claire? No. So I've done like trick-or-treating once as like the person who received the candy and once I chaperoned Emma. And uh, this year, for the first time ever, we were the people who gave candy and we were not prepared for this at all, (laughs) at all, at all. And there were like over 70 kids who came and we must have distributed over 300 candy bars wow. or something. I really underestimated the amount of kids that are going to be there and the amount of candy the kids consume. We were like running out so out of so much candy like that we had to give each kid like a single mini chocolate bar. And I felt so, so bad whenever they would just like look at their little like trick-or-treat bag and they'll, they'll see the like tiny little chocolate bar that we gave them and they looked back at us again. And... I have a question. Oh yeah. So if if you run out of candies can't you just not answer the door we were we were standing outside so we had very minimal decorations because we were doing it very last moment and okay. because this was like the very first time we ever did it and when we went to like the stores to see if they had any halloween decorations it was on halloween day they were wiped out of almost any decorations whatsoever so we literally had just very very few scattered around the house um the outside of the house So what we did after having to witness this, because we were not prepared, we just like went to the nearest uh, like grocery store. We closed everything. We brought all the pumpkins inside. So people (laughs) won't know. (laughs) We (laughs) ran to the grocery store. We got like a ton of candy and we came back and that candy was gone within the first 20 minutes. So after that, we just like closed shop permanently. It's like, sorry. That is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. I think there's a reason why my building was like straight up. There is no trick-or-treating allowed in this entire building. So we don't have to worry about that. Well, trick-or-treating, I don't think usually happens within buildings. So I think that's probably why we're so busy because people from buildings or from condos around went to the neighborhoods to Mm. get the candy. That makes a lot of sense. Did you never had people come knocking on your door for trick-or-treating before? So I don't know if you know this, but traditionally you need to have a pumpkin outside of your house to symbolize or to signify that you are going to give candy to people. Okay, I had no idea about that. Thank you. Now, (laughs) if I ever own a house, I would never put a pumpkin out. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Unless you want to. It was a lot of fun. And the kids were so cute. Like you see some of like the most creative costume. There was a lot of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were a few witches, which is nice. I dressed as a witch for for some of them. So I felt very like connected to Alphabet, I guess, in that moment. Wow. None of them were green, though. I gotta gotta have to say that. Maybe they're more like Glinda or maybe they're more Nessa, God forbid. This Um, reminds (laughs) me of um, the Halloween parade that happened in Toronto, I think, two years ago. Oh, you mean the zombie parade? The zombie parade. The Halloween... I, I'm not sure if that's the same thing, but we went to that together. Remember? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Sorry. Seriously? Like, yeah. I think it was 2019 and people just dress up 
and they just walk around um, a block in downtown or something. And we went with my group of friends. Oh, oh, no. The reason why I don't remember this is because we went to the restaurant together and then I had to leave for a Halloween party. Oh, did you not go to the... Oh, maybe not then. Yeah, we just went to the burger shop together. And then I was like, oh, so sorry, I have to leave. Oh, okay, okay, my bad. But I was going to say that I did see an Alphaba in that parade. (gasps) No way! Yeah, oh it was so God. cool. I was like, oh, I see you, man. Okay. I mean, speaking of costume, I dressed up as um, Wednesday Adams. I don't know if you're familiar with the Adams family. No. Yeah, it seems like nobody is. I thought it was such a big intellectual property and everybody's going to be familiar with it. But nobody recognized who I was except for one person. And I thought my costume was pretty convincing. But You mean um, that year or this year? This year. Oh, okay. I mean, I didn't see your costume. So. No, no, I know. But like, you wouldn't have recognized it because we don't know who Wednesday Adams is. That's so true. <laughs> um, people were like, oh, are you a nun? But uh, after that, I did change to a Mickey costume and the kids didn't recognize it. So if you have the chance or if you live in a house, I suppose, I don't know if it's popular outside of Toronto or Canada to go trick-or-treating inside an apartment. Trick-or-treating is really fun and seeing the joy on kids' face is really nice unless you give them a single mini chocolate bar, <laughs> in which case their disappointing look is forever oh. burnt into your mind. Ouch. Yes. Yes. I felt horrible. Um, <laughs> But without further ado, um, let's go into the in-depth summary for Wicked. So the musical opened with the Aussians celebrating the death of Alphaba, the Wicked Witch of the West, when Glinda, the Good Witch, arrives for the celebration. She asks the important question of whether people are born wicked or become wicked through their environment, which is a very central question to the entire musical, and continues to examine Alphaba's past through flashbacks to determine what could have influenced her to become wicked. So the flashback opens with Alphaba's mom cheating on her dad with a guy who gives her green elixirs, which I thought implied she was addicted to. I don't know if you got the same vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. It's not just me. I was no, like, you're, oh. Yeah, you're not alone. <laughs> oh, this is supposed to be like sexual assault, right? Yeah. Their affair resulted in Alphaba's birth. And due to the green elixirs her mom consumed during the pregnancy, Alphaba was born green. So Alphaba's non-biological father, who I will refer to just as Alphaba's father, for simplicity's sake, I think, um, was horrified by her green complexion. And to prevent her mom from birthing another green child in her second pregnancy, he fed her toxic medicine, which resulted in Alphaba's sister being born paralyzed from the legs down and also resulted in the mom's death during childbirth. So as a result, both Alphaba's father and her sister, Nessa, blame Alphaba for her mother's death and Nessa's paralysis. So her father enlists them both in the magical school, Shiz, and only signs up Alphaba because um, he needs her to look after Nessa. So because he loves her or has any positive feelings, honestly, towards her. When the two sisters arrive, Alphaba learns that she will not room with Nessa, and instead she will room with Glinda. Or sorry, and here she is still known as Ga-Linda, and this is important. So this causes her great distress, and she always looked after Nessa so like not having the role to protect her is something that was 
distressing enough for her to perform a spontaneous act of magic. And this spontaneous act of magic catches the headmistress eye and she was waiting for someone with exceptional magical abilities to appear so she can tutor them before sending them to meet the Wizard of Oz. And this interaction only fuels the jealousy and hostility that Galinda is experiencing because she actually wanted to be tutored by the headmistress in magic, but she was dismissed by her right away. And she was kind of like doing that in a very condescending. Oh, but the way she did it was so condescending. She was like, oh, you will not impress me or something along those lines. Like I felt bad for her in this moment. But after that, a class, Galinda is snarky towards Professor Dillamond, who is a goat and he's not able to pronounce her name. He calls her Glinda instead of Galinda. So Alphaba defends him in front of the entire class, and Dr. Dillamond highlights that he's the sole animal remaining in the faculty. That kind of shows that Oz, as a country or as a region, continues to discriminate against people who are different. And after that, he's actually faced with species bigoted graffiti on his blackboard, and he was so distressed by that and he dismisses the class. So Alphaba is the only one who stays after to try to like befriend him and console him, calm him down. They have a conversation about animals disappearing from Oz. And when the animals do return or if they do return, they are not able to speak. This change actually seemed to like start uh, affecting Dr. Dillamond as well. After that, Alphaba runs into Fierro, who is a new transfer student who is carefree and unbothered, and he and Galinda immediately hit it off, and they go to a party together that night when a munchkin named Bach, who is helplessly in love with Galinda, asks her out. She just decides to like set him up with Nessa so she can be free to pursue Fierro. Bach isn't in love with Nessa whatsoever, but he does it anyway just to please Galinda. Nessa tells Alphaba how grateful for Galinda she is, which causes Alphaba to defrost her attitude towards her just a tiny bit. And then after that, Galinda gets ready for the party. She and her friend discover an ugly hat in the closet and decide to give it to Alphaba to humiliate her as a prank. Alphaba sees this as an additional act of kindness, not knowing that the hat is considered ugly. So she takes Galinda at her word and she decides to speak with the headmistress so Galinda would join their magic seminar to repay her. Touched by this, Galinda protects and befriends Alphaba at the party when everybody else is laughing at her hat. And after the party, they open up to each other and Alphaba tells her about her family and the green bottle, which is a keepsake from her mother. And Galinda gives Alphaba a makeover. The next day, Dr. Dillman announces he will not be teaching them anymore since animals are banned from teaching. And the new teacher teaches propaganda and abuse against animals. Alphaba uses magic to release and rescue the lion cub the new teacher brought, and uh, Fiero is helping her. So Fiero shows quite a different side of him by helping her, showing that he cares and he's starting to take life more seriously, which causes Alphaba to start falling for him. And since the day that Fiero started taking things more seriously, he is implied, like, starts to fall for her too. And Galinda notices that something is not right. So in an attempt to stay close to him, Galinda pretends that she cares and changes her name to Glinda instead of Galinda in memory of Dr. Dillamond. So sorry, can I just say of course. that I always found a part when Fierro starts to care about the lion cub and to start fe- have feelings for Alphaba a little bit weird, don't you think? Um, in what way? Because that was that one moment. And then he just seems very, like he changed his personality completely. I guess one explanation one can give is that he's always been caring deep down, but he just act in a way that everybody else thinks that he should be acting 
which is shallow and selfish. Mm. But I don't know. It just he, the feelings that he has for her apparently is strong enough so that he would do so many things for her in Act Two. But I, I just feel like their foundation is so random and is so short too. To it, it's hard to convince. Me especially mm-hmm. that such feeling is so long lasting and is so powerful that he would eventually, you know, leave with Alphaba when she is being chased and hunted by everybody else in the kingdom. I don't know if you have the same feeling, or did you feel <laughs> like their romance is just completely normal? I wouldn't say it's completely normal. I think I agree with you that it could have been elaborated on. And the reason why they didn't do that is because it's not the focus of the musical. But I also think that they sowed the seed for the romance a little bit earlier on, especially the party scene when um, Alphaba is trying to like to dance and she knows everybody's laughing at her, but she's still dancing. She puts on a brave face and he's like, wow, she really doesn't care. And I think she like he has quite admiration in his voice when he says that. And afterwards where Galinda says like, oh, actually, she really does care and she does it anyway. I think it just like increases the admiration he has towards her. And another mm-hmm. aspect of it is also he comes from a very, very privileged background. I think Galinda calls him a prince. And, you know, his family is quite well off and they have like mansion castles, whatever. So he probably... Uh, didn't have a lot of things to care about, especially since before the arrival of the wizard. There hasn't been a lot of conflict that we know of in Oz. So it was seemed as much more of a utopian place. And because it seemed like more of a utopian place, it makes sense that he wouldn't necessarily have to care about a lot of things compounding with his privilege, you know? Okay. 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 And having like, to be confirmed with somebody like Alphaba, who we know is quite unique because when, spoiler alert, the we find out that the Wizard of Oz is her father, he knew exactly who her mother was. So I don't think he has many other potential children <laughs> running around. So mm-hmm. it must mean that Alphaba is quite unique and therefore the uh, discrimination she experiences is also quite unique. And if he hasn't met anybody who experiences that and hasn't been involved with a lot of discrimination around him, it could be that he just, this is the first ever opportunity he has to prove that he is a caring person. And in that opportunity, he shows himself or he proves himself, you know? Okay, I'll buy that. That's a, that's a pretty good way of looking at it. I guess part of me just always was curious whenever the scene happened and the two of them seems to click right on that moment. Mm. And a part of me just like, how? But okay. <laughs> I agree with you though. Like I definitely don't think the romance is as well developed. That's why the duet they have together is one of the one I care about least. It's still a good mm-hmm. song, but it's not something that I care about all that much. And instead, the relationship that is really developed here is obviously the relationship between um, Glinda and Alphaba. But because this is probably the second most important relationship, maybe the one between Nessa and Alphaba, but really this one, it makes sense that they put more weight into it than they do. So it is, I can see why it wouldn't be very believable, to be honest. Okay. The headmistress tells Alphaba that the Wizard of Oz requested to see her and she decides to take Linda along. So the wizard tries to pass himself as a very kind, paternal man. And although he is putting that front, he is really anything but. 
Alphabet came to advocate for the animals and the wizard, along with the headmistress who was promoted to the wizard's press secretary, asked her to prove herself to the wizard first by giving his monkey wings. And after that, he would be helping her out with the animals. So Alphaba finds out that she was tricked to give all the monkeys wings, so not just that one. And these monkeys will be used as spies for the wizard. Finally, figuring out that the wizard was behind all the animal abuses, uh, essentially to fearmonger Ozians, and he has no real power. Alphaba is quite distraught, let's put it that way. So mm-hmm. the wizard offers both Glinda and Alphaba positions, and Glinda accepts while Alphaba runs away with the magic book and vows to fight wizard. She invites Glinda to join her, but Glinda chooses not to, and as a result, Alphaba is demonized to protect the wizard's secret. Um, so the Ozians are very terrified of Alphaba, and Glinda encourages them to, instead of being very fearful, uh, just to celebrate her engagement to Fiero. And meanwhile, Alphaba visits Nessa, who becomes the governor of Munchkinland after their father's death, which Nessa blames on Alphaba yet again. Nessa guilt trip Alphaba about having to depend on her due to her disability, so Alphaba enchants Nessa's shoes so she can walk again, or she can walk for the first time. Nessa calls Buck to see her, and initially um, he's very terrified of Alphaba, and then he reveals that Nessa has been stripping away Munchkin's right to keep him close to her. And when he sees that Nessa can finally walk now, he's really hopeful that she will let him go so he can confess his love to Galinda, which was a real dumbass move if you ask me. Like, obviously, you can see Nessa is evil. What are you professing your love and whatever? Like, she's vengeful. She's not a good person. Um, so maybe think this through, Buck. But out of anger, Nessia, Nessa enchants Buck to lose his heart. And uh, later, Alphaba turns him into the Tin Man to um, essentially make sure that he will be able to live. When Nessa learns that spells are irreversible, she blames Alphaba in a this is all your fault, Jafar fashion. I don't know if you got the same vibe. But yeah. <laughs> I was, definitely, sorry. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just, it, it's almost funny to, to <laughs> witness it. Um, because the moment ago, she would be like, please save him, Alphaba. And then Nessa can be like, it's all your fault. And she's like, Alphaba, don't leave me, don't leave me. And as soon as she leaves her, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I can't, I have to do something. She's like, this is Alphaba's fault. This is her doing I tried to stop her. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, That was literally hilarious. Right? So yeah, after like this happened, Alphaba takes off to go to the Emerald City and try to save the monkeys. And when she arrives, the wizard finds her and tries to cajole her to join him. And she agrees if he sets the monkeys free, which he does. However, right after she notices Dr. Dillamond hiding behind or underneath like a blanket or something, and he's not able to speak, which kind of hardens her resolve to fight. Alphaba runs away when she's encountered by Fiero, who helps her escape when Glinda enters. So initially, Glinda is really happy to see her and make sure that she's safe, but she feels really betrayed when... Fiero decides to go with Alphaba, and as a result, she helps the wizard and henbistress hatch a plan on how to capture Alphaba. So their plan is essentially landing a house on Nessa, which kills her and brings Dorothy to Oz. And Alphaba leaves Fiero to go to like the scene of the crime, so where the house is. So Glinda is there too, and they fight until the guards arrive to capture Alphaba, which Glinda was not aware of, and Fiero sacrifices himself so that Alphaba could escape. Sacrifices himself. He did. Making it sound like he died. He did. I mean, he didn't essentially die, but he would have died if she didn't perform the enchantment. That's true. Would have. Um, and like that's why I think Glinda believes it later on. She's like, "Oh, 
um, this was the last time we've seen his face. And Glenda 100% believes it. So I feel like if she didn't do what she did, he would have died. And I think he also came in there with the understanding that he would die. I don't think he's like, oh, she will save me or I will be able to escape this one, you know? I don't know if you got the same vibe. I mean, I know that I can get the feeling that he knows that it's dangerous, but I don't, I'm not sure if he was ready to die. I don't think he was ready to die. But, like, but you make it sound like, like he knows that he was going to die coming into it. I Oh, that, that is 100% it. But, but ready to die is like, he's ready to sacrifice himself for Alphabet. For alphabet ah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think like 100% that's the expectation that he would have because who would rescue him? Mm, good point. Uh, even like Galinda tried, right? Oh, sorry, Galinda. Galinda tried. <laughs> <laughs> It's very important. It is very important. And I don't want her to have to change her name yet again, just because I cannot pronounce Glinda. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Glinda tried. And they completely dismissed her because obviously there's the person higher up who they answer to. So even though Mm -hmm. she is very high ranking, her word means absolutely nothing, if not Mm -hmm. for the wizard, if it's uh, going against what he wants. So I totally think that this is supposed to be a sacrifice. Okay. But as we alluded to, he did not die. So out of grief, Alphaba turns him into Scarecrow so that he won't feel pain or be able to die. And she vows never to do a good deed again. So finally, Glinda starts investigating what happened with the house and finds out the truth. And she goes to see Alphaba, who has kidnapped Dorothy and kept her in a cellar until she agrees to take Nessa's shoes off, which I thought was hilarious, by the way. I was like, oh, this is a weird hill to die on. But Alphaba agrees to free Dorothy, but makes Glinda promise her to not try to clear her name and also to make Oz a better place. And she gives her the magic book. So they depart and Alphaba fakes her death to rejoin Fiero so the two can live quietly in his castle. And Glinda uncovers Alphaba's green bottle and remembers seeing the wizard drinking from the same looking green bottle too. And that kind of reveals that uh, the wizard is Alphaba's father, which causes him to step aside and let Glinda rule Oz. And she also imprisons the headmistress on the way. So this is as detailed a summary as it's going to get. So let's just couple the first two together because the second one is kind of short. So no one mourns the wicked and dear old shiz. I think it's a good opening. I agree. I like the, I like the opening. And you know how I feel about, you know, echoing, like the ending echoing the beginning. Mm-hmm. And this does exactly that. So I just like how we open up with something that we already know what's going to happen. And then, you know, it will the song will hit you differently like if you know the story and you come back to this beginning song and you listen to Glenda's line I think that would um really brings you like a different level of experience I think Mm -hmm. but obviously when I was listening to it for the first time it was just it was just already very powerful even without knowing what's really going on um so I like that and I think it introduced the characters in a very timely and very good manner um but what do you think though I 100% agree with you it's such an amazing opening number I feel like it builds like intrigue it gives a great background of the world and its inhabitants and I think it literally lays all the foundation you need at this like number or maybe very shortly after and I just 
also love that you get to hear the entire chorus and Glinda and you're not actually introduced to Alphaba until she has her I want song because I feel like it also gives you a good understanding and perspective of, of the world as it is quote unquote objectively rather than from the protagonist's eye and it gives you a much more like third uh, like third author I think that's that's the term for it perspective of something that seems more objective than a first person's perspective third person perspective so I also really really like the setting costume throughout the entire show but here especially because Glinda obviously still is a show here but I love that she's above everyone physically to show her leadership role and Mm -hmm. I think it's such a clever way to do it like it communicates so many things about her at once and also it makes her stand out not only by where they position her on the stage but also in terms of the costume that she has very uh, extravagant you know she's more privileged and she has more status within the society and And also, I really like that right at the end of the song where the chorus repeats, no one mourns the wicked and Glinda sings good news. This is like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things in the entire musical, specifically how like Glinda sings it. You can tell she does mourn Alphaba based on how the music is arranged. And especially since like at this point, you don't even know anything about their friendship. So you find or I still could like hear it because when I first like came into listening to musical this is something that was new to me because I wasn't familiar with the Wicked franchise story and I wasn't very familiar with the music either, but I could detect that. So I think it's really, really brilliant. Um, and I love that part of it. For mm-hmm. Dear Old Shiz, I think it's really cute. Like it, it's not a very big number, but it's very cute and endearing to me. It definitely like communicates clearly that it's a school setting and it also continues to build Glinda's character showing that she was always a leader and people cared and listened to her and I also again really love the costume here and how Glinda was like carried on the suitcase that <laughs> was really really cute yeah I actually read an interesting theory about um Glinda for oh. this one so you know how Glinda says um the wicked lives are lonely mm-hmm. and the wicked die alone and it just shows when you're wicked, you're left only on your own. Mm-hmm. And from the end of the show that you know, like Glinda doesn't believe Alphaba is wicked or evil, right? Yeah. And at that point in time, Glinda is alone. So the Oz is gone. The Madame Marble is gone. Like Fiero left. And like, I guess he, she also thought Fiero is dead. And mm-hmm. Alphaba, she obviously thinks was dead. So do you think that she was calling herself wicked in this line? Because she's being left alone. That's actually such an interesting theory. And I think it could 100% be it because I'm sure she's feeling guilty. And I think the music also communicates. Maybe that's what I noticed the music communicating. It's not just Mm -hmm. just being mournful, but it's also the guilt that she carries about the part that she played in Alphaba's demise. I could 100% see it, actually. Yeah. After I read it, I'm like, that's so brilliant. It makes so much sense. Doesn't it? Now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I wonder. Like, I think it's also very open to interpretation. But as I see Glinda, I can 100% see that she grapples with, you know? Yeah, I definitely can hear the, I don't know, guilt in her voice. Um, yeah. If you know now know the theory. So let me know. Update us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> if you feel 100%. Differently. Well, okay, I think that blew my mind just a little bit. But next we go into The Wizard and I. So this is a really good song, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I 
I I really really like Alphabet's voice mm-hmm. and and I guess for almost every version of Alphabet they also really amazing and of course you know who my favorite is yes. so <laughs> when I listen to this one live like it just she communi- she communicates so much hope like a softer side of her mm-hmm. um I guess when she was introduced onto the stage that you kind of see her kind of yelling homos or like having a very strong personality um she straight off like calls out those people who like was judging her on the back and be like yes I'm green I don't eat grass I don't whatever and she's very tough on the outside but then from this song like we get to see that her inner softer side of her and I like that and I like it was introduced so early in the show to shows that she is a normal human being she has feelings and she is hoping that someday this future was going to be different and I, I really really like that I think it makes me relate to her a lot more and then makes the audience create more empathy for her character for sure yeah I 100% agree so I think like this is probably one of the best introduction songs I've ever heard to be honest because Mm -hmm. you just get to understand so much about her character and who she is as a person so for example like you get to see how strong she is and how much she takes in and internalizes but tries not to show it which is something you see later on being confirmed more and more as the show progresses so for example with the dance scene it's just something that is even like spoken out out loud and you get the first um inkling that this is something that's happened through her introduction song so I think it's Mm -hmm lovely how consistent it is and how early on it shows and I also really love how it shows the progress that she will make as a person because before wonderful the wizard asks her what she wants because everybody who comes to him wants something and in here she voices everything that she wants and then later on she has the, the strength to reject it and to know not to believe in something that is false because she knows that the wizard has no power mm-hmm. so i just love how it just shows her entire character progression from the very very beginning and i also really like that the lyrics are very relatable like you said so oftentimes people like hide what makes them unique in favor of fitting in when in actuality their uniqueness is like really what sets them apart and like finally as a character rather than just like an analysis I just want to give her a hug (laughs) because you see like how people treat her you know like before this scene like you see how she interacts with her dad and how cruel he is to her and then gets confirmed like oh you know no sister acts ashamed or like father not proud of you and I was like oh my god also please let me hug you you're so like fragile and you need somebody to care about you yeah for sure but the funny thing is though I read online obviously I didn't read the book Mm -hmm. but uh, I came across this post which compares the musical version of Alphabet with the book version of Alphabet. And apparently they're super different. Oh. Did you know that? I did not. Apparently in the book that it was very dark and emotional. It has a lot of political themes and she does actually become evil. Mm. Like she's the leading figure in a terrorist movement. Oof. She instructs her bees to sting a man to death or like she kills people too so she murders people in the book and she act like absolutely was an evil figure in in the book so apparently the book is super different from the musical like and that doesn't just include alphabet's character 
but also like her relationship with Fiero, for example. Mm-hmm. And Fiero as a character is also very different. Nessa is also very, very different. Anyways, in general, the book seems like, because I didn't read this, I wouldn't know. But from what I read online, it seems mm-hmm. like a much darker, um, much adult and less Disney-ish like production. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I've heard that some people didn't really like the Wizard and I song because it shows the alphabet was more of like a naive, innocent girl who has, you know, all the wrongdoings happen to her. But then in the book, she was more of like a self-empowered or like she's never shameful of her skin color, for example. Oh, yeah. That's a big change. That is a huge change. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I thought, I don't know, like I thought it was, interesting from my understanding at least I actually take it took out the book from the library a few times and I never got to reading it I just returned it every single time especially since I wasn't into musicals when I think I took it out or like really into it so I remember holding it quite a few times and it's quite big I can imagine they have a lot more in-depth analysis of world building and maybe even of the character though I'm super satisfied with how in-depth the characters are in the musical maybe they got more of an impact of like you know the side characters like Dr. Dillamond or even Nessa that would be interesting would were you curious to read it after this or no I would be actually I think knowing how different the book version and the musical versions are I'm really curious to know like what actually happened in the book (laughs) and you know that they're making it a live action movie they've been making it since 2004 just to let you know yeah yeah it's been postponed forever I don't know if it's for the better or the worse because on one side I'm excited but on the other side I'm like what if they just completely ruin it no I'm sick of it I'm sick of musical (laughs) um like adaptations that are adaptations like give me as much as I dislike Diana let's put it that way I think this is the best way to show a musical just give us a professional approach on essentially Mm -hmm. it works for some musicals so Mamma Mia in my opinion and I think you agreed uh was better as the movie (laughs) than uh, the musical yeah I thought maybe if they do like um, an animation movie, that would be nice. I don't know. In general, I have, I feel like animation movies usually don't disappoint as much. I would be inclined to agree. And also if they do an animation movie, the age of the cast matters a lot less. So they could Mm -hmm. get Idina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth to reprise their roles, which would be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. They should, um, yeah, I don't know. They they're should not look into that, that, but yeah, they're not, not going to do, do that. that. <laughs> and yeah, the producer of it is also the same producer as Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, no. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Mark Platt. But you never know. You never know. If they do go for a live action thing, I know a lot of actresses who are clamoring to get the roles. So the next one is, what is this feeling? I mean, I like it, but I don't really have a lot to say. Okay. I don't know. For me, it's like one of my favorite songs, like maybe my second or third favorite because it's just like amazing. So not only is it a lot of fun to listen to, the two have so much chemistry. Like I think regardless of which um, actors you've watched in the two main leads, they will 
by necessity have chemistry so this is something that is really nice to see on stage and they also act like perfect character for us to each other with like Glinda having all the beauty and like a family that's really proud of her and connections and friends but she doesn't really have like magical talents or strong moral conviction while Alphaba is essentially the opposite and nowhere can you see this better than in the song even though it does come up over and over again in a musical and how diametrically opposed they can be but still like um be so attached to each other as friends mm-hmm. and I also really really like how much fun you can see the actors are having with like Alphaba trying to scare Glinda when she goes like boo in the very end and like Glinda screams so much playfulness there and I really I like know. how Glinda like addresses the school and she was like oh this is really tough I'm so good for having to like withstand her and uh be like rooming with her despite the fact that I was supposed to have my very own private room and this was stolen away from me I thought it was really really fun to to see and just like the tempo and the the arrangement of the song feels so much fun like I don't think you can listen to the song and not enjoy it you know yeah that's true and I find the part where um you know phrases that traditionally they use it for love songs like oh my head is reeling my face is flushing what is this feeling and they are revealed to be expressing hate, mm-hmm. hatred towards each other. I found it was like so cute. And that rivalry that later translates into friendship. But I feel like that creates more of um of a gap. And, and that would make you appreciate the, the friendship that they come together so much more if it weren't for the song. Yeah, I agree. I think this really works. And I think it's something you don't necessarily expect. It's like definitely expected to go somewhere else. And it's very playful, the language they used to have. And I know a lot of people like them together, which I can totally see. Um, so if you like reading more into that, I think that also works. And that gives you fuel to read more closely into that. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is Something Bad, which is a relatively short song as well. I think personally, it's genuinely such a sad song to listen to. And I feel like once again, it's going to be so relatable to so many people and give them a chance to unpack discrimination or bias they experienced in a relatively safe environment. So I think Mm -hmm. it's a really important song to have there. And part that really broke my heart is Alphaba being like almost confident with the line, it couldn't happen here in Oz, which is something you hear over and over again, like, oh, you know, this horrible thing, it couldn't possibly happen in here. And a lot of people believe in it. Even she sounds kind of unsure, even though she what she voices has a lot of confidence in it. Um, mm-hmm. The way she sings it is very like uncertain. It has a very foreboding note to it. So, you know, she doesn't even fully believe it as someone who experiences bigotry on a daily basis, but she still wants to believe it or push it aside at this point, which I think is a great reason why her arc goes so well with Fiero's arc, who this is his entire like thing, right? So you can still see her wanting to believe in uh, something being fair or equitable and sorting it out because the system works and opening her eyes to it a little by little and finally like taking that mask off. So I really mm-hmm. like that. What do you think of it? I think it's a pretty good song. Um, to be honest, I know th- I, I, I'm actually, I'm not sure, <laughs> but I'm guessing this is one of the less relevant one and people probably will skip it, but I actually never really skipped the song. I never skipped I think- any songs. I know. This entire song <laughs> is just so too good. Mm-hmm. Too good. Um, and I like when they have a moment like this. It's, gives you that depth of character if you know what I mean 
Like it's not just about alphabet. It's not just about Glendad or any anything else. Even though that those are obviously big themes too, but having a number like this feels like it touches upon like other aspect too. And I don't know. I just really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it's one of the smallest smaller numbers. Oh, uh, definitely. But it's so endearing to uh, Dr. Dillamond. Like. I think he's such an integral character, even though you don't hear much about him after like the next song almost. So mm-hmm. the fact that he has his own solo and you see um, the struggle that he's going through makes this feel a lot more genuine rather than just like a speaking point, like Diana, for example, with the AIDS thing. It was only one song, but in here, this is something that is woven throughout the entire plot. And it's something that you can see she really, really cares for about sure. and she fights for. This is not something that is that well understood in other yeah. musicals, for example. And Dr. Dillman is just so endearing. Like, yeah. even though it was never really revealed if he gets his ability to speak again back. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just like to think that he eventually did. And, and he would probably be able to recover because we did see like one of the monkeys started to speaking to Glenda at the very end of the show, right? So even though he's more or less of a less, like a small character, I guess, but <laughs> he's just really nice. I hope that he gets the he gets the ability back. I think in the book yeah. he was murdered though. So yeah, I heard that too. So I've yeah. I've seen like a documentary on YouTube and they talked about like some creative differences between the writer who uh, of the book who was very involved in the making of the musical and the producer of the musicals and they had to cut the funeral scene which is something he I believe wanted to do actually and it was a big point of contention because they already invested so much into costuming for it and mm. apparently the dress that Nessa wears when she's a governor is the dress that Glinda wore to Dr. Delman's funeral whoa so I, I thought it was really okay. sweet. Yeah. Wow. Um, but I actually prefer him not dying because he's such a sweet person. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, I would have been crushed if he died. And the fact that it left ambiguous of whether he speaks again for somebody who takes pride in like the ability to express mm-hmm. himself so much like he does. It's really heartbreaking that it might be not reversible and we never get a confirmation. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next one is dancing through life. So as I mentioned, for me, speaking of pushing things aside, like, Fioro is the person for you. So even though like every one of the good main characters have at some point to overcome willful ignorance, nobody really embodies that arc better than Fiero, which is why I personally like this musical so much. Because like every main character has an arc like Alphaba, Glinda, and Fiero, and having to include all of that within a relatively limited uh, runtime is very challenging. So I like that, that they do that. Also, obviously, it's a really amazing number for the dancing and the costuming. And the hat moment managed to have such range because, like, it both destroyed me, absolutely destroyed me from the inside. And then right after, it managed to build myself up again based on, like, how it unfolded. And it's just, like, mind-blowing at how much range and emotionality they can inject into a scene. You feel really, really, like attached to the characters throughout the entire thing because like you get to see alphabet dancing alone um mm-hmm. trying her best and like the entire th- time it was like oh my god what a precious precious baby and then when glinda finally does the right thing and it goes up to her and you get to see the connection they start having and the trust they start forming around each other it's so meaningful to see 
And also like how important this number is in setting up so many interactions that are going to be happening later on. So obviously the love triangle between Fiero and Glinda and Alphaba and also the whole situation with Buck and Nessa. I think this number is so integral and it does it really, really well. Even though it's really long, I never felt that it was really, really long. And I think they utilized it, the length mm-hmm. of it, very, very effectively. Yeah, the part where uh, Glinda comes to Alphaba gets me every single time because I always imagine if I am Alphaba and imagine like how betrayed you will feel like the act of kindness probably never was a chance like somebody else in her life gave her a gift as like a peace offering and she maybe for once started to think like oh there's somebody who's finally so nice to me and then you realize that everybody else just did this to make fun of you and she didn't really care she danced on the floor by herself and when Glinda said I feel awful and she joins in I feel so relieved because if I was Alphabet well first of all I wouldn't have the courage to stay there (laughs) and second of all I would feel like somebody comes to rescue and that maybe rescue is the wrong word but like somebody was there to support me you know Mm -hmm. and even though that I guess there was times during the musical where doing the story, I was questioning myself. You're like, how, how the heck of the two of them like become so close to each other? Like, how did they start forming that friendship? But I feel like that moment really was um, a changing moment for, for Alphaba because put myself in her shoes. I feel like that would be the really the very first true act of kindness that somebody does to her. Um, so I really appreciate it. I think every single time when I when I watch that, I also feel like Glenda definitely deserves some credits here because going in while everybody else is laughing at somebody is difficult. And having the courage and being able to regret what you did or like own up your mistake I think is is huge so even though that she in act one was more like concerning about her own popularity it doesn't feel like she's taking things too seriously I still feel like she has a kind heart and yeah I totally buy their friendship I feel like the two care I think in the book their friendship was actually not this big of a deal oh. and she was more of a passing friend than a life uh, lifelong friend no way. but I could be wrong again I didn't read the book right mm-hmm. but this is based on what I read online um, and I'm glad that the production decided to make their friendship much more meaningful than the book if that mm-hmm. was the case because um, I think that was really something that speaks to me um, probably not everybody could buy it but for me uh, it it helps a lot. I think it's very comforting to see that they are trying to be nice to each other, mm-hmm. um, especially just after the song, What Is This Feeling? So, so yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I have a question. So yeah. you think that Alphaba knew that Glinda gave her the hat to humiliate her? Because I didn't. Oh, so. no, 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 no. Maybe not definitely not at the moment she uh, received the hat but I guess when she started dancing and she because you show up with a hat right yeah and she started dancing and everybody else was kind of just laughing at her 
I thought she would assume that it's because of her complexion. Really? Okay. Because I thought she would I, never. She she never realized because I don't think she would act. She would be as amenable to Glinda as a person if she realized that she purposefully pranked her. Huh. Interesting. I don't know if it's in the production that we watched, but I remember like one of the comments when people starting to laugh at her was like, "Oh, she she showed up with a hat or something about the hat." Mm-hmm. So I thought that she would pick up on that, but it could have just been me. And also like the fact that she continued to wear it afterwards, like she never takes the hat off, pretty much. Like she takes it for the makeover, but as soon as the makeover is done, she keeps wearing it.、Mm-hmm. So I feel like if she realized that it looked ridiculous to people, she wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe she just own up to it. You know. Maybe, maybe for sure. Okay, that's an interesting perspective, though, and I definitely、oh, love that. It's also an、uh, interesting perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and yeah, I definitely love their friendship here and how authentic it feels.、Mm-hmm. The next one is popular. It's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really, really fun. Oh my goodness, it's such a fun song to listen to,、mm. and I just completely, I really, really like Linda from the song. I feel like whenever there's a makeover scene, it's always well, maybe not always, but nine out of ten, it's a nice song. I feel like when it's a makeover song, and you just get to see so much of her personality, and she just being so herself, but so funny at the same time. I think the version I watched, I can't remember her name, but she has the most hilarious laugh as Glenda ever, and it's just you can. Clearly, see that she's so in her own bubble that sometimes it's it's offensive, but sometimes just so cute.、Um, <laughs> and I like how she is very confident. Be like, oh, well, whenever I see somebody who's less fortunate than I am,、mm-hmm. then like my tender heart starts to like whatever.、Um, and then everybody else is less fortunate than I am. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I see you, girl. Okay. So music wise is very catchy,、mm-hmm. and narrative wise, it just it gives Glenda's characters so 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 much charm.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if before I think before the song, I kind of just see her as like a very typical like brainless, pretty popular girl that would. Probably happen well, like probably exists in every single school setting. Yeah, so I didn't really like her, but then in this song, she's just so adorable that I really fell in love with her character. So this song's definitely an A plus for me. Hmm. A hundred percent. Like for me, I think this is probably the second favorite song. Maybe tying with like, what is this feeling? Both of them are great. Both of them are very Glinda centric, and that's for a good reason. Like, I feel like Glinda's character type is one of my most favorite character types across genres and medias. Just like having somebody who is not very self aware, a little bit bitchy,、um, but essentially has good intentions, even though she can be a little bit mean, is something I really like seeing.、Um, and I like how flawed she is, but also at the same time, she is、um, aware of her strength. And she has a lot of truths to it. So it's like the people who are doing well, like politicians or communicators, they're popular, and that's so true. And she's aware of the power that she has, and she、mm-hmm. wields it very effectively before 
and also after so I really like that about her obviously the song itself is such a bop you know like if you listen to it you will probably be smiling or something along those lines you will be jamming <laughs> to it and what I especially love about it is that every actress who plays Glinda injects so much of her personality and she reads the part of Glinda in like minutely different ways that create a new characters in a way the eccentricities they give her and how they approach Alphaba in the song I love that and you can see all her little quirks which again is what makes you unique so in this case like Glinda's uniqueness and quirks are celebrated as uh, opposed to other uniquenesses that are not being celebrated but you see that she's also her true authentic self which is mm-hmm. something that a lot of other characters were struggling with being and maybe this is why she's a little bit more self-actualized and maybe this is what like why her arc is not really revolving around accepting herself as a person more it, it, it encapsulates who Glinda is so well and it also shows you in what ways she is lacking in the sense that she's a little bit ditzy and she can be a little bit vain and not focus on things that are important. So not having that kind of strong moral integrity that we talked about before. And you see where she's aware that she excels. And I mm-hmm. like that self-awareness, even though you see her being portrayed in ways that are very not self-aware. Okay, so the next one is a tiny bit sad. It's I'm not that girl. What do you mm-hmm. think? Yeah, it is a tiny bit sad. But to be honest, I didn't really think too much about it. Mm. Because for me, the biggest charm of this musical definitely doesn't come from romance. Yeah. So whenever there is a song about her relationship with Fiero, I kind of just like, okay, check. And not really being too emotionally invested in those. Mm. So I think it's a good... Um, song to have just so that it leads to what happened between like Alphaba, Fiero, and Glenda later on. But to be honest, I feel like even if they take the romance part out of it, it wouldn't really change too much of the story for me personally. Like she get like Fiero and Alphaba could totally be just friends like who really see each other and appreciate each other and if nothing romantic happened between the two of them like it wouldn't be a shame or like it wouldn't be a miss for me necessarily Hmm. so I don't know maybe I'm just the type that didn't really buy into their romance but I think it's nice for Alphabet to show that she is also you know wanting to be seen wanting to be loved and Obviously, since she's not getting that from her family. Um, but just for me, like that desire of to be accepted can totally come from her friendship with Glinda to the point that I feel like her romance with Fiero didn't really add all that much to her character. And Fiero as a character also honestly seems a little bit blunt to me. Like, <laughs> okay. It's very convenient, but... I didn't I don't hate him don't get me wrong I don't I don't feel like he's a horrible character by any chance I just didn't think he's all that interesting either so I'm okay with a song I wouldn't skip it mm-hmm. I think it's still a nice song to listen to but I just personally don't really buy their romance mm-hmm. that's fair enough personally I don't think for me at least this song didn't highlight the desire to be accepted because I do think it is something that she will get from Glinda or her purpose 
or what she sees as a purpose. But I think this song talks a lot about another big theme of the musical, which is appearances. So there is a lot of we deserve each other, um, for example, in Dancing Through Life. That's that's a big theme. And in here, he could be that boy. I'm not that girl. Um, don't lose sight of who you are. That's being very self-aware of who you are, who the person you're interested in is and why you're not perfect for each other. And it kind of shows that even if you're superficially not a well-designed match, like for example, Fierro and Glinda, that's not what matters in this case. And it's not a very complex narrative or moral of the story, but it's something that is really, really important um, around something that revolves around appearances so much, you know? Mm-hmm. And this was just another way to show that kind of um, appearances mattering, but actually not mattering. And another thing I think is this is like another um, way to show that Alphaba is defrosting or letting people get close to her because she's very guarded when we first meet her. She's like, oh, it's not because I eat gl- uh, grass. Um, my green complexion, she attacks everybody. And in here, she starts to let people into her life little by little. And she chooses them very carefully because she knows how it is like to get hurt. And the fact that she's opening her heart, I think shows a lot of character development. I do agree that it's very conventional love song in terms of the experiences they describe which actually has a lot of similarities to the experiences described in what is this feeling in terms of encapsulating love is a very physical thing. So like hands touched, I meet, my head is reeling um, from what is this feeling. So a lot of it is very physical, which it can be a nice contrast in between them. So I don't know. I think it's a good song to listen to vocally. The lyrics are satisfactory to me. It's not the strongest here, but I still really, really enjoy it. I never skip it. And I also am really, really impressed by the range of the actress singing this because this one has a lot of very, very low notes, um, especially with the very last I'm Not That Girl, which always, always impresses me because then you hear in Defying Gravity how high she goes and you're like, this person must be so, so talented to be able to do eight shows a week and having to go from a very, very low note from I'm Not That Girl to uh, Defying Gravity, for example. So Mm -hmm. I really, really appreciate this in a way, but I agree it's not the strongest here. The next one is, again, a very short one, but I enjoy it. It's One Short Day. I feel like I would take any song that highlights the relationship between Glinda and Alphaba and just make the most out of it. And in here, this is the very last happy number that get to celebrate their friendship before yeah. the very very sad goodbye they have and for good I like how easy breezy and uh, fun it is and I also like how close Glinda and Alphaba must be for Alphaba to take her to Emerald City and insist so much I don't know exactly how much time has passed between I'm not the girl and once you a day but obviously even though Alphaba has a feeling of before Fierro. She doesn't put her, she doesn't put it before her friendship. So I really like it for them. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's so sad to think that this is the last happy song that they would be singing together. 
man i really could use more of their moments together oh my god and definitely you see how special glenda is to alphaba because she offered she offered to take her with mm-hmm. her and i'm like oh man i personally really enjoy whenever i have the chance to travel with my best friend mm-hmm. and i don't know how people how often people actually do that but for me like it's very rare that i'll have the chance to travel with somebody that i'm very close with um so it's definitely something that i enjoy even just watching i'll be like oh and like imagine me going on a trip even it's just a day trip or i don't know if it's a day trip actually but going on a trip with a best friend that would be so much fun Mm-hmm. And in the song, you can really tell that they're having so much fun. Um, and everything about the city is just mind-blowing. They're, like, thinking about what life could look like. And I just like that. Just two friends enjoying life together. And I think this is a perfect song for for that. And, yeah, I don't know. I can't. I just can't stress enough about how much I like the friendship between them, I mm-hmm. think. I also, in a very masochistic turn, love how they each have their hopes and dreams for what to do in the Emerald City and what it means to them, only for them to shatter (laughs) one by one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the next one is A Sentimental Man. I don't really have a lot to say about it, even though, like, you know, it's a big introduction to who is the main antagonist here. The wizard mechanic, obviously, are absolutely amazing. They look really good. And the production in the entire show, absolutely Maybe it's because, maybe it's because like it's more of a I am number, which is reserved for villains of him describing who he is and like the deception that is going on there. It's a little bit more difficult for me to appreciate it because it's not something you can connect with as much as a character, which makes sense. Like you would connect with the good guys and then view the villains more superficially. And I think this is a good way to view the villains more superficially musically and the lyrics are good but I just don't think it's as good as the other songs for me what do you think yeah I completely agree I think for the villain song and you know what I know that you always have a thing for villain song and you don't like it that much (laughs) so it can definitely be better I feel like it I can see what they're trying to do here by you know painting this like sentimental oh I'm very like nice and very kind picture and I'm like boom I'm actually the bad guy Mm -hmm. that sort of that sort of thing but I don't know I I'm never really too emotionally invested in the song too mainly because I didn't really feel too connected to the wizard Mm -hmm. and I just didn't really feel like I well, first of all, he didn't really get all that much screen time before the song comes up. Yeah. And second of all, I think his personality seems rather boring. <laughs> um, it's just so obvious that he's the bad guy. Yeah. I didn't really feel like there was anything too surprising. And his motive was like pretty weak as a villain too. It was nothing that's very outstanding or special. Mm-hmm. So I would say pretty standard disney like villain yeah and this is the song that he gets but it didn't really leave an impression for me you know what would be a really good villain song though hmm. be prepared of <laughs> Did course you see that coming? 
Of course, I did not actually. I was literally anticipating like, oh, what could she say? Maybe she's going to say like no villain song because she's not as into villain songs. <laughs> um, but I should have expected that. It's on me. Everything's <laughs> an exception further for The Lion King. Yes, everything okay. is an exception. I cannot wait to cover it because I feel like for once I'll be shutting up my mouth a little bit and I'll let you <laughs> run it and hear everything you want to say. And again, I fully expect for you to sing all the songs while we're talking about them oh it'll my just God. be like yes. nice background music <laughs> describe the plot and then you can talk about everything <laughs> yeah I'm just gonna sing everything oh my goodness Anyways, I love that I love very that. excited for that episode stay uh, tuned yeah I'm excited for it too like I I really want to play it already <laughs> I don't have much to say about it apart from that. I think that there was good foreshadowing and I like the references to Defiant Gravity, but it was relatively short song. I didn't say much about it, but like, you know, he kept saying like, oh, I want to treat everybody as a father, uh, everybody and Oz to be my son and daughter. So there's a lot of hints of who he is or who he's going to be revealed to be. And um, you also can see like the amount of manipulation there is for him. But again, mm-hmm. standard for the course for a lot of villain songs. And it's something that is not very surprising because he seems way too, too nice to be the real deal in here, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to go to the big one, which is Defying Gravity, the act one closer. What do you think of that? Okay, so vocally, this is just amazing. Like, it really, really stunned me. The first time I listened to this in the theater, I was like, holy crap, that was good. It was so, the first time you heard it? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I didn't listen to any songs before going to watching it. So mm-hmm. this definitely leaves an impression. It's super good at one closer, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's so big this is the song for this musical the biggest number oh my god really good I'm rumbling okay oh no no, um, no. Sure. is it your favorite by the way no <laughs> I feel like we'll have the same favorite but, but it's really close it's yeah. really really close and it's just a really really good song I remember my boyfriend saying to me be like wow that song was really good and usually he's not a musical person at all so that coming from him was big and it's very well deserved in my opinion um narratively to be honest though I one thing that I never really could understand was why Glenda didn't choose to leave with her because in the lyrics she goes like oh come with me imagine what we can do together and then she they sing together and then she just stopped going and I don't know how that happened or what's the reasoning but they just seems like they're pretty respectful of each other's choice and wish each other's goodwill which is actually my favorite part of the mm-hmm. song too I think the part um the song and I think also uh for good the fact that they are able to respect that they want different things in life and still wish each other the best in their lives is just so sweet it's so wholesome and is makes me appreciate their friendship so 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 much more I think this goes beyond just the you know oh we're roommate I'm gonna make over you it's respecting the other person's life choice and usually it is hard it's a very hard thing to do even with people that's like your partner or your family like there's so many times when you look at the other person what they're doing you're trying to you know impose your values or ideals of um what they should do onto them so to be totally able to respect the choice and still wish wish each other um everything the best I think is really really rare and it's just very heartwarming to see 
that they're able to do that. Um, and especially in for good after everything that's happened, they're still able to do that to each other mm-hmm. makes me appreciate their friendship a lot more. But going back to the song, um, <laughs> going back to the song, I just, I just love the song. It's just musically just so good. Vocally, it's amazing. And I think you can agree with me when I say like this song, it just sounds so much more different when you listen to it as live compared to if you just listen to the soundtrack. Soundtrack is already very amazing, but mm-hmm. I feel like there are, a few songs and musicals in general that you just have to listen to it live. And mm. this is definitely one of them. Okay. Is it for the spectacle or musically? What about it? I think it's the fact that you have to witness what the vocal can do in the song. Mm, it's I got you. really good. Got you, got you. For yeah. sure. I mean, this is such an impressive closing number. And just like the opening number is incredibly effective this is probably one of the most effective closing numbers there is because everything comes to a head everything like just blows up in everybody's faces and all the characters are in disarray like every single one of them and not one of them is unaffected which is so effective right before act two and like that's from the narrative standpoint amazing they also focus on the two most important characters which again amazing they're doing their job really well there and they're introducing or sorry continuing with what is matters most about the musical which is the relationship between Alphaba and Glinda and specifically why this is coming to a head and why this is not working because the moral compass and justice is which is probably the biggest conflict here um is what's bothering them or what prevents them from continuing as they were so mm-hmm. everything is just narratively coming so well together which works amazingly so that's from a narrative standpoint from said design the moment where she flies through the air and has the black dress going from behind her and it's it's long long stretches of fabric and it's blowing and it's really really effective and beautifully well done they build up to it because glinda is like oh you can't fly you can't escape you can't really do this stop bothering to try and having all this people who are saying that she can't do something and she proves them wrong anyway it's something that is really powerful for her as a person and just talks more about the empowerment of the song of being different as a person and using that as your uh, brand and as your symbol to make yourself stronger which is something that so many people can identify with that I think is just screamed is being screamed throughout the entire number so I love that for it And musically, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's so, so difficult to sing this because you have such a different range that you have to go through. You have so many like riffs that you have to do and you have to inject a lot of like personality and power to this number that being able to perform this in it by itself is crazy and amazing and something that will leave you like jaw slacked. whenever you experience it. So it's so good from every single perspective. I really, really like this number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with that, we're going with act two. So <laughs> <laughs> um, act two starts with no one mourns the wicked reprise and thank goodness. For me, it's a not as good of an act two opener compared to what we just experienced. So it doesn't stand 
out as much. And I feel like that's the point. You kind of have to see the new normal and you got to try to see people who are fearful and a government trying to distract them with different celebrations and with meaningless words. So I think this is designed to be not as memorable. And that's probably why they started with a reprise and also to tie back to the first act of um, we're starting something brand new. So I think like they they call back to it in the first act and then the beginning of the second act and then finally in the finale. So all the like important uh, plot moments that is probably to tie it all together. And thank goodness is something that is really, really important to see as Glinda, because you have a dissonance between the Glinda you got to know and the Glinda who is willing to run everybody under the bus in order to succeed. I think that's something that you didn't see before. And I think you mentioned about it, but it's something that I could see in who she is as a person before, because when you think about it, like Fierro, she comes from tremendous amount of privilege and she knows that she's a very effective leader. She knows she is well liked. And if she finds a position um, that is certain, she would covet it. Like she's an ambitious person and she wants power in a way. So this is something that is quite tantalizing the opportunity to have this for her. And you understand or try to see how she reconciles who she is as a person, who she thinks she is as a person, who is fundamentally good and cares about people in a way and wants to do what's best for other people. She's not like a wicked person or like immoral person and and of herself and how she tries to communicate with other people. So it's very interesting in a character way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and musically, I think it's also very fun. Uh, I think it also gets to like show the vocal um, capabilities of whoever plays Glinda, which is nice, but not as much acting or life injected to it as her previous act one numbers. What do you think? Yeah, I don't really like it too much musically. I like <laughs> what you said about the the opening number of act two. So the reprise is okay. Probably, like you said, said to be not as memorable. So that's okay. It's not the greatest act to opener, but I can let it pass. And yeah. Okay. So here's a question for you. Mm. Do you like Linda? Yeah, I, she's my favorite. Okay. 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 So the fact that she um didn't really use her power to clear Alphaba's name or anything, like, does it bother you? I think that's what I like about her because she is complex. Obviously, this is something that is a moral failure in terms of a friend. It's mm-hmm. kind of like stabbing somebody in the back. But also, she's probably going to be under such severe censorship that she's not capable of doing that under what she wants. So, like, sometimes you have to play along, I guess, under a regime that is not you don't believe in as much until you rise enough to the top to make an influence and Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe this is something that is her plan but obviously she she has some uh some moral quandaries that she has to go through what do you think so I have a complicated um feelings to Glenda to be honest and it's a pretty long history so the first time I watched the show I just enjoy her character because she was so funny and popular and Mm. that impression sticks. But then after when I rewatch it, I was like, what a horrible friend. Like she never really tried anything to help Elphaba. And the, I don't know, like the fact that they made her the person suggesting that they could use Nessa to lure um, Elphaba out also kind of bothers me because she indirectly kind of kills her, right? even though that it wasn't really her plan, but she was the one who proposed it. And 
come to a conclusion that's very similar to what you just said, which is, I feel like she just very similar to most people. Like not everybody can be an alphabet and just write out, go away and then dump everything that they have in their life. Like friends, families, the, the original life that they have and go around to be like an outcast or a fugitive or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I can understand that because we as audience be like, yeah, Alphaba's right. Like you should go with her. But then really, if you're in her situation, you will be giving up so much. Exactly. And if the end goal is the same, it makes sense that people will want to do it differently. Like Alphaba probably would have a more aggressive approach to it. And Glenda, I think, would like you said, want to change things from the inside. And I think that's so great about their friendship is that in the end, they learn that you cannot um, do this alone, right? Like Alphaba learns that success is not going to be solely upon one person. Like she cannot do everything herself. And for Glenda, I guess, it just it's very um, important to also acknowledge that there is only some changes that you can make from within the organization so I like I guess what I'm trying to go with is is that even though I don't enjoy the song musically necessarily but I think it kind of depicts her contradictory nature well like what she believes in versus what she is doing um, pretty well so I like the song because of that aspect and I do think that she is a more complex character than I originally thought she was so that's also a plus for me too and yeah. she's like everyone's favorite, right? That's like even harder to abandon everything else. Yeah, exactly. So coming from her life experience is very, very difficult because of the privilege that she grew up with mm-hmm. as well. Do you have any thoughts about the Wicked Witch of the East? Not really. <laughs> Neither do I. Skip. <laughs> um, not I didn't skip, like Nessa too much as a character anyway, so... They actually make her made her more likable. So um, in the documentary what? that I watched, let me find out the name of the documentary because it was pretty good. Behind the Curtain, The History of Wicked. And it's mm. available on YouTube. Yeah, apparently they made Nessa more likable. <laughs> uh, so the version that you see of it on Broadway is different from uh, the San Francisco version, which is where it was workshopped. And in the San Francisco version, she's much less likable still and I agree she's not likable here at all like if anybody is a wicked witch obviously it's going to be Nessa because she's a dictator essentially um or a fascist in some way and not she's not supposed to be very likable in this point I think she's supposed to be more likable in act one yeah the next one is wonderful any thoughts about wonderful to be honest not really too but do you have any thoughts I like it (laughs) I don't like it like it like like the other songs but it's so Mm -hmm. fun you know like Uh, I could fun how I could see why um Alphaba would be kind of interested in defecting to his side and being enamored by how 
he presents everything. He's like, oh, you know, I was a good for nothing person and I was cussed like you. And then I finally suddenly found myself in such a lucrative position and I could not take the opportunity. So it's something that creates juxtaposition between the two of them and how they'll react later, but it makes it understandable of why she would even be tempted and be willing to talk to him and probably how he got to where he got because he's so good at reading people and manipulating people. And that's exactly what he's doing really well here. And mm-hmm. even though you know that he's a really horrible horrible person and he's being manipulative actively in the song I still really enjoyed the song and I found like great fun because the actor projects so much fun into it so that's true begrudgingly fun and also like the lyrics and how much they repeat wonderful usually I feel like in a lesser song it'll be like oh my god can they stuff with a wonderful like the time that they mentioned cake twice in Mean Girls but in here I was like oh I couldn't wait until the next wonderful came Maybe it's because, like, I never really feel too related. Like, I, I never really feel like The Wizard was some, some character that I like too much. Oh, so all not. his songs <laughs> was just, like, okay. But I do agree. Like, he brings a very fun, very charming energy to the song, which is so different than all the other very typical villain that you typically see. So in that regard, I definitely would give the credits to the song for that. Mm-hmm. But musically, so it, it's okay. I like watching it more that more than I like listening to it. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. And I also like the lyric, apart from the wonderful being repeated like a million times here. What is convincing about it is that there are grains of truth in here, like saying, "Oh, it's not about who is wrong and who is right; it's how you present things," which is absolutely true. And how what is most memorable in people's mind, like what label persists, that's how people will remember the story, and that's how people will encapsulate it in their own mind, which has so mm-hmm. much power. And that's, um, yeah, that's yeah. actually a really good point because despite that it has a very cheerful and a simple tune it has much of a more serious discussion of that power of mm. perception i guess the corrupting influence of that idealization because his power is entirely he doesn't have any magic right mm. he doesn't really possess any magical ability so his power really is based entirely on his ability to kind of calm people and change their perspective into believing him that he is wonderful and so that's what he becomes and he also does the same thing to people into believing that alphabet is wicked and that is therefore the truth that's being accepted so perception is power so i feel like in that sense the lyrics and the underlying discussion of the whole song is very interesting in that regard it feels like almost ironic in a way because even though the song is so funny and just feels like a children's song almost but really they're talking about power they're talking about the tricks that he's been playing and that helps him to get to where he is today and more than anything it reveals his true nature and somebody who's very manipulative mm-hmm. um which is the exact opposite of being purely wonderful. So <laughs> that's that's a very interesting take on the song. Yeah, and I love that his manipulation is something that is always baked into the song. So like with Sentimental mm-hmm. Man, and then again, he's calling back to the defying gravity moment um, or sorry, and here in this case, it's the wizard and I of wanting to be recognized, wanting your hard work and sacrifice for a cause to be understood and remembered with a celebration throughout Oz that's all to do with you. It's kind of like appealing to the ego here, which Alphabet does have a little bit with how individualistic she is in terms of fighting the fight. 
And that's something she takes away from her by giving it to Glinda later on. So I like that this is something that is always being reminded. And also it's baked into how manipulative the wizard is. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to say for as long as you're mine? I didn't connect connect to the romance because for me, A, I already gravitate towards familial and friendship more in anything. And B, it wasn't as big of a focus on the musical, even though it did definitely have a focus. It wasn't as big as anything else. I'm not a big fan of Love Duet necessarily. They tend to be very cheesy. And I think this can go a little bit into cheesiness. Again, you get to see something that is really important. Alphaba's love language is probably touch because every single song that has her communicating to other people, it revolves around touch. So that's something that I thought was consistent and nice to see. And it's also nice to see that she has a person in the world who cares about her and she's not that alienated after she just lost her sister with the way her sister treated her in a, in a way. And mm. obviously everything to do with Glinda and so on. But as a song, I wouldn't skip it. I just, I would put it more as a background rather than something I would actively listen to. Yeah, I 100% agree. Something I wouldn't skip, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't actively going back to listen to. Yeah. I I think the fact that it's not the focus of the musical plus I just didn't really feel connected to their romance to begin with makes the songs rather a hot one to be my favorite I feel like yeah so yeah I like again the foreshadowing they have here with the maybe I'm brainless and then like <laughs> Yeah, maybe I'm wise, stuff like and that. Actually, the brainless uh, foreshadowing has been happening since Act 1, right? Yeah. Since they showed up. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was brilliant, too. I really like that. I love that they have... If you pay attention to this, probably it won't happen the very first time you watch the musical. But if you pay attention to what they're saying and you're familiar with the plot, you would notice a lot of Easter eggs that are being sprinkled around, not only to things that will happen in the plot so foreshadowing but also easter eggs to like the wizard of oz and the 1939 movie as well so no good deed this is my favorite song same is it is it (laughs) yours that's why i said like it will probably be the same as soon as you said defying gravity is not your favorite i was like okay no way is there any other song in act two that is going to be your favorite so it's this I know, right? This song is so good. I'm literally crying. Like, Rachel Taco's version is really, 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 really good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure, like, other alphabets are really good, too. But because I watched this one live, it's always going to be very special to me. Mm -hmm. I really like it. I like how she... Um, especially in the beginning of the song, like there is a part where she's very nervous, like, she's very stressed. And... Every alphabet performs it differently. But for Rachel's version, you definitely can see that she's having very great anxiety. And um, the, the way that she expressed just how helpless she really is at that moment, I think is just absolutely brilliant. Um, and not to mention music vocal is really good. The, com- the transition, the communication of the emotion of being angry and feeling betrayed like that she's all along she decides to turn evil mm-hmm. such a big moment really um really dramatic character moment I like every aspect of it I like how it's just about alphabet like I need that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you don't really see her solo after what was it after the wizard and I I think Define gravity oh that's true but <laughs> 
but I don't know. I, I just really <laughs> like her solo here. I understand Defying Gravity being the act one closer and being like very spectacle fueled and stuff like that. It's everybody, what's on everybody's memory, but No Good Deed is so emotionally gut-wrenching because every single thing she has tried to fight for is being taken from her at the very same moment so Fiero likely dying likely sacrificing himself um her sister just died who she cared about deeply because she was literally taking care of her her entire life Linda's betrayal seeing everything that's happened with uh Dr. Dillamant you know every single thing she cared about is being violently taken away from her in some of the most horrible ways that it possibly could so it's so emotional in here and she understands that as a person she wanted nothing to do her entire life but to do good things so having that realization is something that is really difficult for the audience to have to have to watch you can see the desperation in the acting you can see like she's frantically trying to do anything she can to protect the people she loves and she doesn't even know if it works she doesn't even know what she's singing or what she can try she just like does something out of absolute act of desperation her listing every single person that she thinks she failed like with Nessa, Dr. Dillaman, Fierro which is the very last one it's really really heartbreaking not only is it beautiful musically but it just packed with so much emotion that is vulnerable because they find gravity is very like more of an empowering song which is something that is obviously very very important and in need but a lot of people would relate to the vulnerability of no good deed much more mm-hmm. because it's something that is Definitely. a lot more they can connect more to because not everybody feels very empowered not everybody feels like they have the power to do whatever they need to like she does but everybody has felt vulnerable and or disappointed or like their life was falling apart a little bit March of the Witch Hunters. Do you have anything to say about it? Not really. Yeah, I don't really have anything to say about it. I do like it in a way because it does, it's like more of a a chorus song. And I like having them again because a lot of it is very character driven. It can be a little bit easy to understand that this is like something that involves an entire region or country or world or whatever. And having more of the um, the background cast coming in make it more understanding and again it's another moment of like uh, it's all your fault Jafar with like everything blowing up in her face but you don't see her reaction so like the tin man she's like oh she turned me she if she let the lion fight his own battles like this is the only reason why he's alive or why he's able to speak and yet they're blaming her for everything so, uh, I once again got the reference back to Twisted and of course No Good Deed is something you get back to Twisted with the song Twisted so a lot of it just like echoed back to me which not to talk about with a different musical but it showed me how effective of a musical Twisted was mm-hmm. but the thing that I got from the song was that Bach was so aggressive towards Alpha but because he believes that he uh, she was the one who made him into like an Iron Man but then I was thinking you never really see the interaction between the two of them. Like, how can he just believe that Alphaba was responsible for doing that? Like, why would she be even be doing that in the first place? I mean, she technically was responsible for turning him into a Tin Man, but That's the only reason true. The only reason, like, the alternative is death. So, what I got from here is why he acted the way he did is because he had no heart. Oh, good theory. That's good. 
Yeah, thank you. Um, because obviously it's out of character. He seemed like somebody who is really self-sacrificial in a way or somebody who is very, lets his emotion inform his, uh, his being in many, many ways with his interaction with both Glinda and Nessa. Like, I don't see many people withstanding this mm-hmm. as a person and towards the end he obviously didn't have a choice but in the beginning he didn't want to hurt her feeling so he was a very kind person before in a way mm-hmm. albeit a little bit spineless but still okay okay that's a that's a very very good explanation that I'll take it thank you and I think it works because like the thing of the lion all of them went to see the Wizard of Oz because they each wanted something from the wizard, like happened here. So the Tin Man wanted a heart, and then the Lion wanted courage, the Scarecrow wanted a brain, and then obviously um, Dorothy wanted to go back home. The Lion retains his cowardice in here because he wasn't able to speak for himself. All he could see was his tail, and it's a way to show that he's not fighting his own battle. I don't know if it has anything to do with her. I really don't think it does. It has to do with the abuses he experienced as a cub. And the only reason why it's not worse is because of her rescuing. But because he was so young when this happened, he's not well informed and he's very open to being manipulated and for propaganda, you know? Let's group for good in the finale. I really like for good. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, I think the fact that they have... um a lot of respect and and a love for each other is just a very very nice thing to to watch and to listen to and I don't know if you noticed too but in act two most of Glinda's songs are lower than in act one and they do switch voice parts in this song so mm-hmm. I think Alphaba used to sing more of a lower part and then Glinda a higher part in act one but then this one in this one they switched mm-hmm. so I think it's a very like a musical way like a musical language to be like they're equal so no oh. one's more good or wicked they're both both of those things and they're equal who equal the two friends who uh, respect each other and love each other so that's my take of it did that's you notice actually- that I noticed that they don't have like their signature. So for example, I do agree that Alphabet is usually a lot lower and then Glinda is characterized by having a very, very high voice and it's not as high in here, but I didn't connect to the fact that they're switching their positions. And I think that's like very accurate and like right on the mark. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Was that a Beckyism? <laughs> <laughs> oh, could you tell? I was I trying, could- yeah. <laughs> i feel like uh it definitely like works. finally i get to say this because really? usually i'll be like oh you have a really good point and i'm like oh finally thank you you had for so many great me. points here what are you talking about maybe <laughs> i should i should uh, express my appreciation more <laughs> oh no no you're all good thank you <laughs> don't even thank you thank you <laughs> yeah i'll make it thank you thank you thank you oh like okay you're one upping me now i see i see how it is <laughs> I also really, really enjoyed the song. I think it's very fitting that the last important number, obviously the finale is important, but finale is kind of like to close everything up uh, in a way that makes it seem more grand. But the last 
endearing character to character moment is between the two of them it's very apt it's very fitting and I also like how it culminated in a lot of final important notes for the character arcs so obviously Alphabet admitting that she is limited and she can't do anything by like everything by herself there is a limit to her power because of how people perceive her which is not something that it's something that took her a while to acknowledge I think like she always knew that she was perceived differently but she didn't internalize that how people perceive you and appearances has a lot of important information. And that's why Glinda has a lot of privilege. On the flip side, Glinda accepts a lot of responsibility that she was running away from and understanding that it is really important as a leader, not only to make people happy all the time or to placate them, but also to have a voice and something you stand for. And I like that. And I also really like how important they are to each other, even though they're so, so different and they know they're different, but that's, Mm -hmm. you don't have to be identical to each other in order to love each other unconditionally and support each other. So it's so quietly emotional in a Mm -hmm. way that you can see it's a goodbye. doesn't have a lot of like bells and whistle around it. Like some of the more bombastic songs that were occurring until now is really fitting because it feels like a goodbye and feels like something that is so emotional they cannot go to be this bombastic. Like if, if they would, the dam would open and everything would burst. Do you want to go into our final thoughts? Yeah, of course. Yay. Okay. You can probably tell I'm going to rate this one super highly. And <laughs> that's because I really, 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 really enjoy it. I think it just works for me in so many different ways. The set, the stage design, the story, the plots, the characters, and obviously the music is just absolutely amazing. I think the fact that almost all the songs in this musical just so nice makes it really the well-deserved famous musical that it is. So I'm not surprised that it's so profitable because really all the songs sounds really, really nice. And you get a little bit of everything. And obviously the casting is just absolutely amazing. I know the original cast are amazing and I'm sure like every version of Alphabet and Glinda just work really really great as well so for the music aspect of the musical like it definitely absolutely works for me I like how for me it was an extra surprise because I didn't know that you there was such a thing as to rewriting a fairy tale but from a different perspective so I really like stories and I think like revisiting as a like a childhood story or like a fairy tale and this way really helps me kind of appreciate everything like the characters and I guess the original story too (laughs) so I like what I try and do with a plot I'm very curious to see the differences between the book and the musical now now that I know that the book has a much darker theme and I like dark stuff so (laughs) In general, I just really, really like it. I like the big themes that they outline in this musical too. So friendship is always something that I personally really, really like about. And especially this is between the two girls. So that absolutely speaks to me. The fact that they also touch upon some political powers and like rise to power and politics and all that stuff also was very interesting to me. I like how they make the villain almost funny and charming in a way. And instead of a very stupid, I was going to say stupid villain, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Very boring villain. Boring was the word. So yeah. (laughs) I think my impression of it is very similar to yours that 
they made it work in every single aspect that they could have. Every single thing that could go right went right here. And I think it's much more impressive considering uh, what you said about it being very different from the book. And that means that they had maybe a very shallow basis of what is happening in the book, imagining at least, and they had to build up on that something that is different. And they still made it work. That is very, very impressive to me. The fact that they knew what to focus on, such as the friendship aspect or a political aspect and even the romance aspect, which I think uh, might not, not have been a highlight, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, something along like familial relationship and what it means, as well as like big themes such as appearances, whether you're born wicked or you have wickedness thrust upon you, stuff like that that matters so much. And a lot of people can really connect to it despite it having a fantasy setting so I know a lot of people I think you included that say that you're not a big fantasy person because it's not realistic and in here even though the setting is not something that obviously we would see in the real world like animal speaking the action of the people is so realistic to what you would find in the day-to-day life so government structures are very similar propaganda machines are very similar the interactions between friends and between uh, enemies and families and and lovers and stuff like that that is grounded in so much of the real world that even people who are not a big fan of musicals in general or who are not fan of fantasy in general can really make a lot of this So I thought that was really important to be accessible. In terms of the songs, it's not that frequent where you see a musical where every single song is at least good. Not necessarily absolutely amazing, every single one, but every single one is good at the very, very least. And many, many of the songs are absolute bangers you would listen to regardless of whether you're a musical theater fan or are famous because people have appreciation for them outside of the musical genre. So I think like popular was covered by Ariana Grande and Mika um, and uh, Defying Gravity was covered by so many people. So you'll see how much of a chokehold it has on people and the public in general as giving you the villain Mirrodin story with Maleficent. It's influential, it has great music, the set design and the costuming absolutely dropped it gorgeous and so effective it communicates the transition within people really really well it shows you for example in the makeover section with glinda and with alphaba how glinda literally injected pieces of herself onto alphaba and that didn't work for her because that's not who she is as a person so it communicates everything from that angle so so well you also rate this very highly yeah (laughs) i would rate it very highly yes (laughs) So today we will be doing a quiz. Are you surprised? Shocking. And is uh, which wicked character are you? And this is from theater nerds. So what an unexpected question. What was your favorite subject in school? (laughs) Um, Uh, History. You love learning about the politics of the past. Speech. It involves socializing. Literature. You enjoy traveling to another world. Is recess a subject? I'm going to say history. I'm going to go with literature. Pick a dynamic TV duo. Grace and Frankie, Ross and Rachel, Supergirl and Flash. I honestly only know Ross and Rachel. Me too. <laughs> By the way, both Supergirl and Flash were on Glee. What is your greatest fear? Never being understood, becoming a failure, being rejected, others knowing your true colors. 
being who would rejected. pick the last one it's like oh other people know i'm a fraud <laughs> who would pick that? <laughs> maybe some people would be like oh i will never be accepted but i guess that's the same as being rejected then exactly yeah uh being rejected me too how do you work under pressure i'm guessing oh my god feels like an interview question i know right so the options are it depends on the situation pressure is not your strong suit men down (laughs) what doesn't kill you makes you stronger i'm gonna say pressure is not my strong suit i guess it depends on the situation for me choose your favorite glendified lyric don't be offended by my frank analysis think of it as personality analysis i know i'm who i am today because i knew you why couldn't you have just stayed calm for once instead of flying off the handle? I'm going to choose the last one. I'm going to choose Don't Be Offended by my Frank analysis. Favorite Wizard of Oz icon. Okay, so you have Dorothy, Scarecrow, the Red Shoes, um, the Munchkins, Monkeys, Tin Men. The Red Shoes? Okay, I'm going to choose Dorothy. Let's talk about your fashion sense. Being stylish is a high priority. You could really care less. You care about appearances when you're trying to impress someone. I just want to say it. you couldn't really care less. If you could really care less, it means that you do care. But okay. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I'm going to pick you care about appearance when you're trying to impress someone. I'm going to go. Uh, I, I would go between that and being stylish as a high priority. I don't think it's a high priority for me. But I also can't imagine of trying to impress somebody in particular unless it's an interview maybe so I guess I'm gonna go with being stylish is a high priority what's your favorite color yellow green pink gray gray pink what is at the top of your bucket list ensuring everyone knows your name making a difference finding the love of your life well these options doesn't apply but I know I know making a difference me too pick your go-to jam Popular, dancing through life, defying gravity, no one mourns the wicked. They don't have no good deed? Okay, I'm going to pick popular. It would be too easy if they did, you know? <laughs> Sorry, which one are you picking? Uh, popular. Me too. Who did you get? I Alphabet. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Go ahead. Uh, we're agreeing with Envy because you're Alphabet. Though you have trouble fitting and often feel misunderstood, you're destined for greatest beyond your wildest dreams. Okay. How um, about you? What did I you get? Glinda. Oh! <laughs> We're I destined to be best thought, friends. Yeah, I guess. Um, I, yeah, I was surprised because we had mainly the same answers. So I thought we would both get the same thing. But okay. it's time to rejoiceify because you're toss, toss. Glinda the Good Witch. <laughs> Though it can be a little high maintenance, your greatest strengths are an unwavering confidence and a bubbly outlook on life. I wouldn't say that's exactly me, but it would be nice if it were. Well, I like the toss toss part. Thank you. When we watched it, it was like the highlight, I think, almost of the <laughs> show. Like my brother and I were constantly like toss toss um, after the like after, in the intermission and after the show. All right. So I guess that brings us to the final ranking. Drum roll, please. I'm going to give this ten out of ten. Green Alexis. I was really conflicted. I'm also going to give a ten out of ten. Toss Yay. toss, and I didn't take the quiz first. And the fact that they spoiled the toss toss for me. Ah. Um, so yes, 10 out of 10 toss toss. And I was really conflicted because I already gave 10 out of 10 for the sound of music. And I didn't want to be that person who gives 10 out of 10 so easily. But I was like, I cannot think of a single reason why this shouldn't deserve a 10 out of 10. So 
I had to give it a 10 out of 10. Yeah. 10 out of 10 for both of us. Good job, Wicked. <laughs> yeah. If you want to talk to us about how great Wicked is, or if you want to have the opinion that Wicked is not good, that's not a valid opinion. You're not welcome here. Just kidding. Of course you are. Um, <laughs> you can contact us at Podway Podcast on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Reddit. You can also give us recommendation for stuff you want us to talk about. Or if you want to talk about an episode that already passed, we're obviously really excited to talk about that too. If you're not a social media person, however, you can talk to us at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, do make sure to check the show notes for Booze and Broadway and their links. Yeah, I think that's it from us. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>